Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads and today's guest is Eric Termundi. Now Eric is on the mission to change the way we talk about work and get fulfillment from it. He's an author, he's a speaker, he's an entrepreneur. Eric is currently head of brand for True Calling Canada, founder of Now Innovations and the Driver Group. Eric has been featured in Forbes and the Huffington Post and Inc. magazine. In 2015, he was recognized as a top 100 emerging innovator under 35 globally by American Express. Eric sat as community integration chair for Global Shapers Calgary, a community that functions under the World Economic Forum. And now he's here to talk about his new book, Rethink Work, which is available now on Amazon. Welcome to the show, Eric. Oh, thank you, man. I gotta, I gotta really cut that bio down now. But that's a, that's a long one. I'll give you more. I'll give you the condensed version next time. <laughs> nah, nah, it's all right. But uh, so your, um, your mission is very interesting. You, you talk about the idea of rethinking work. Why do we think that we need to rethink work? Yeah, I mean, work is something we do more than anything else in a day, right? I mean, it's the typical nine to five. And even if it was nine to five, we're still looking at eight hours at work, right? And and let's let's get real. When's the last time we got eight hours of sleep? Yeah. So if work is, <laughs> is something we do more than anything else in a day, and that's before tech integration, that's before tech, I would argue, dependency, where we can now have our headphones in and be on a conference call. We can be in the car and talk on Bluetooth. We can be in transit and do emails while we're cooking. We can be on a Bluetooth conference call right before bed. We can do emails. Truth is, work is, I'm not going to say all-encompassing, but it's getting closer and closer to be just that. And so I think we need to rethink work because I think we need to strip the negative connotation associated with it and ultimately find happiness through the thing we do more than anything else in a day, and, and that's work. No, I, and you know, it's interesting for me. So I've had an interesting experience with work, um, and I, I've been keeping tally of all my, all my, all my failures because I believe that it's my uh, overnight success story than writing. So right after, right. Col- <laughs> right after college, I, um, I got 85 job rejections before I got, I got into a job that I, I didn't quite like, and I stayed for two years before I got complacent. And then I right. decided to leave that and then move to New York City to launch this career that I, that I have now. But um, 
on, on my way to that, I was in debt for $20,000. And then I got, you know, while I was getting my MBA, I got, I got laid off once. And then I got laid off again after mm-hmm. two years later. And all through that time, I kept thinking, is there, am I doing something wrong with work? I mean, like, I, I know I'm right. the, the dumbest person. I mean, my GPA is great. I'm great at this. I do, I got an MBA and all that. But um, it, it was something there, which, you know, I do this, I do similar thing where I'm trying to, you know, fix diversity and inclusion at work. But I was mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. how can we fix whatever this culture is? Because I don't know that everybody works the same way and the mm-hmm. work environment is suited for people like myself who are more, I guess, individualistic but creative. Right. So I'm very curious to see your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think, man, it comes down to storytelling. I'm working uh, I'm working with a company called True Calling right now. And, you know, uh, properly named, they help or, or, or tell uh, corporate stories uh, to help people find their true calling in industry sectors, jobs, and with organizations they didn't see uh, as a potential fit before. But, you know, like like yourself, you know, I did the same thing. Um, a lot of my peers did the same thing. What happens is we come out of school and we blanket, what I call it blanket apply. Meaning yes. we apply to as many places as possible. We change that one sentence that's variable in the cover letter and we hope to God that there isn't a spelling mistake in the email and the resume. <laughs> uh, but, you know, what happens when we do that is we fail to understand what the actual cultural components of the organization are that we're applying to. All we see if I'm coming out of business school is that it's a business analyst entry level position. The starting salary is very average compared to what the industry standard is. And I need that experience. (laughs) So what do we do? We apply to it and hope that when we throw our line in the water that we're going to get a bite. Right. Uh But I think that that is a little like that. that, That's a way of the past. And the reason for that is is because we are totally blind going into whatever that experience is going to be. We just hope that the job description that, you know, let's be honest, isn't really a job description at all. It's a skills and requirements checklist, meaning the job description that I'm reading today, pretty much across organizations and sectors, really just lays out the skills to do the job, requirements to do the job, and the education to do the job. Do you have these things? Well, great. You can come on and work with us. But the problem is, is that that doesn't really articulate the values, the experience, the feelings, the dynamics, the conflict mitigation, conflict resolution, the activities in and outside of work for the people that are already there. So what I'm trying to advocate for through True Calling, through Now Innovations, uh, which I'm working on now and really excited about, is really articulating these best practices in human resources and identifying fit community and a sense of belonging. Because I believe that if we can talk about what I'm calling an, an employee value proposition document, which is just a fancy futuristic way of saying job description, then we get a sense of who these people are. Hmm. And from a, you know, a job seeker, if we can start to identify that there's an opportunity here uh, based on a cultural fit instead of just the skills and requirements alignment, then maybe we can find happiness at this place longer. And if we can differentiate ourselves based on this fit, then we're going to be a better candidate compared to the other 1,500 resumes that are in that same stack. I think that's fascinating. And, and when you're working with companies, so would you just go to them and say, hey, this is this is kind of like my model and this is what I'm doing. You should check this yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, just pitching the value of, of, of what it is we're trying to do and really talk about how we can use retention as a key metric of success. Um, and I think that if we can increase tenure, obviously reducing turnover, uh, but increase happiness, morale, productivity year over year, then for us or for me, it's not about, 
you know, a best culture or a most engaged culture when we're trying to attract and retain people. It's about an optimized culture mm. when the environment is in harmony with the people that are living and working in it, right? Because if we look at an open concept, beanbag filled, ping pong table <laughs> ridden office, yeah. uh, that's going to be great for me. I'm going to love that environment because I like noise. I like talking to people. I really like that collaborative dynamic workspace. I'm very extroverted. Mm. Uh, but I know a lot of people, a lot of my friends, a lot of my uh, acquaintances would find that environment extremely difficult to focus in, to, to work in. And that might be rated a top five place to work for me, but it might be absolutely toxic for somebody else. And so exactly. using these best place to work as indicators of where good job is going to be, I think is actually a bit of a shot in the foot when we fail to understand why it is a top five place to work. And I think that's the story that's really being missed. I couldn't agree with you more. And that was the the parallel that I saw in all the, the work experiences. Like I said, I mean, I've done pretty well for for someone that's been fired twice and right, lost right, right. 85 job rejections, you know, given things done. But we're, I mean, we're, I think we're three years apart. You're 24, right? Yeah, I just turned 25. You just yeah. turned 25, so I'm, I'm 26. It's a rough week. Ah, well. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, so we're, yeah, we're definitely so two, two and a half years apart. And yeah. um, the, the thing that I, I keep thinking about it is I just know that our generation and Gen Zers, the way we live in, in the world of thought leaders, influencers, and, and people that are, that are starting their careers relatively early with digital media and personal brands, they're just, you know, the same type of work, rigid type of environment is not going to work for everyone. No. It will work for some, like maybe some people. I went to, got my MBA, I got people with um, financial, uh, people that wanted to work in financial firms, people that want to work in, mm. in um, consultant management, consultant firms, and that style does work for them. It doesn't matter right. what age, but the the more, um, you know, creative, entrepreneurial, tech, startup-y um, type of things, they, they probably need a little bit more flexibility. Um, right. And now I juxtapose that with what Simon Sinek said. I'm sure you saw a video of Simon Sinek that's been going around. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I've got yeah. to chat with him next week. I'm looking forward to it. Ah, nice, nice. And we both yeah. love Simon Sinek. We both love Simon yeah. Sinek. It was interesting, though. He made a comment about how our generation is impatient. And our generation um, stays in the job for one or two years, and we, we feel like we don't get um, – we, we haven't we're not making an impact. And I was wondering what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, I have immense respect for, for Simon. Um, we, I don't disagree with him necessarily, and I don't fully agree with him either. I don't think, I, I think it's a generational conversation only because you look at the adoption of technology being higher with the younger generation. I'm a believer that, you know, when you look at people, my parents, uh, even grandparents age, uh, who are fully integrated with tech, who get that same instant validation from uh, outside, you know, external validation, uh, that this problem that is stronger represented in millennials still exists in people of all generations. I mean, let's just use smoking as an example. You and I and our generation statistically is going to be smoking less. That doesn't mean we're not addicted to smoking too for those who are smoking, right? right? And so I think that we're going to see a larger percentage of the population be younger that are addicted to their technology, certainly. But that doesn't mean it's limited exclusively to that generation. And while we're on the generation note, I'm, on, I'm a bit of a believer that this whole generational conversation is a little bit misleading. And by a little bit, I mean quite a bit. I mean, if we, if we use... 
the uh, United States, for example, uh, and we talk about 20% of the population, meh, 23% of the population, if, if, if a millennial is born between 1980 and 1995, and I, th- those are my years, take it or leave it, you're going to get a different definition every time, you're still looking at about 80 million Americans, right? In Canada, 21% of the population, 7.5 million people. The problem is, is that we generalize and stereotype in this case, of like 90 million people, if we talk about Canada and the States, to suggest, want, think, feel, need the same thing. Yeah. That we're all basement-dwelling, Netflix-watching, Xbox-subscribed uh, leeches from our parents that can't work or hold a job. <laughs> you know, And that's a really dangerous thing to do or to suggest when we're talking about you know, a generation now that will make up a majority of the workplace. Right. And the thing is, is these generations aren't different from each other. If if Gen X had the same um, customization potential, technology, um, accessibility, information, understanding that this generation did, you can bet the same thing would happen. I think what's different now is the technological world that we're living in and how the future of or the current or now of work is changing and how fast that's happening. Yeah, no, I mean, and to add to your point, the generational thin, um, the, the communist side, and I love science. I mean, I have watched oh, videos, yeah. you know, we, he's in a similar field with both of us. We're trying to fix a talent pipeline and all that. But um, yeah. he, he did make one comment that I thought it was interesting. He said, um, they all say they want to do something that aligns with the passions, whatever that means. So he followed that yeah. up with whatever that means. And then I was like, I don't know if I would say whatever that means like that because I don't know that that's a thing that's just a millennial thing. I feel like every generation or every person in any generation would want to do something where they feel like they can make an impact. It might not be the narrative of the baby boomers or Gen Xers, but I can't imagine that a majority of people going to work would not feel like they want to make or leave a mark on yeah, my take on that is that our generation now has more choice than any generation yeah, previous yeah. had. I mean, we've got more opportunity. We're living in a fantastic world right now. Like, let's get serious. We can really do, if we put our mind to it, if we put our whatever, mind to it, yeah. whatever we want to do. And to me, it's not so much about hustle, being frantic and doing a lot of things at once. It's about work ethic and focus. And uh, if we can really put our mind to something, we're living in a day and age where we can get it, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's not a millennial statement. That's a people statement. That's a peep. There you go. That's you know? all I wanted you to say. <laughs> it yeah, is a people statement. That's what I'm trying to say. Because people like yeah. to make it millennial. I'm like, it's you want that too. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, it's just us. <laughs> you know, that's, that's it's so true. And, and here's the kicker. And here's the thing about passion. I, I think find your passion is, is actually horrific advice. Uh, and the reason, well, horrific, I mean, that's dramatic. That's not horrific advice, but I think it's a little bit misleading because what happens if you, if you tell me to go find my one passion and just like, don't stop until you get it. Yeah. Truth is I'm never going to know I found it. And so I'm always going to be chasing something because I'm going to go on Facebook and I'm going to see that you are traveling to Thailand. And I'm going to think, damn, that's my passion. Like I want to do that. I'm yeah. this nomad that wants to work and travel. And I see Taiwanese doing this crazy thing. That's my passion. I think when yeah. I'm failing to recognize that the thing that I'm doing right now, I actually love quite a bit. So I think the advice should be instead of follow or find your passion, find the things that make you feel passionate and be okay with that. Because you can derive passion, happiness, success, fulfillment from a thousand different things. And when we found it, hang on to it and build it. 
because I think when the grass is always greener on the other side, we're going to keep chasing that unicorn that we're never going to find. And it's going to be a really difficult, difficult road when we're chasing something that ultimately doesn't exist. No, I agree. And I agree. And what the other thing that I, I do, I mean, you know, we, I was talking to you earlier before we got on the call, like I'm basically writing my overnight success story and all these failures that I've had, they're not necessarily failures in a bad way, mm-hmm. but they're more indicators as, as to what I should do next or what I could learn. From. I mean, yeah, and it's it's funny you say that. I wrote an article a few weeks ago. I said, well, "Why failure leads to our greatest successes?" Because you know, obviously, we don't know what we don't know. Mm. But if we try something and fail, then we know that that's not going to work, and we just start to knock off things. And I think uh, I, f- I forget who said said to me recently, "It's uh, you know, learn or figuring out what you don't want to do in many cases is just as important as what you do." Yeah, uh, and absolutely. so you know, obviously, you heard and, and many of the listeners have heard too. The only time you really fail is the time you stop moving forward. Exactly. Uh, that's the rest. We just call it learning. Yeah. <laughs> and the more you fail, the faster and the more you're going to learn too. And so I, I guess it all depends on how you want to look at it, right? Yeah, yeah. And on the flip side, you know, a lot of times when people say, um, you know, you said we live in the most um, opportune time. You know, you can lead a horse to to the, the you know the place uh, to get some water but if you don't yeah. you can't make him drink you the can't water take a drink, yeah. you can't make him take that swig of the water if, if he if you know if he's not there um or she's not there so it's it's one of those things where even though you know a lot of us might be crippled by failure i think what we should be crippled by is not achieving our, our actual potential so that that was my initial failure my initial fear rather when i was younger i was always afraid of failure being perceived as a a, a failure but then as i kept getting all these failures i was like you know what I'm more afraid of actually not being the best version of myself because I will be cheating everyone, including right. myself. So, yeah, um, ah, that, that's that's fascinating to me. Just listening to you talk about that. So, what has been your biggest failure up to date? Oh man, good question. Um, <clears throat> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh, you know, throughout this journey over the past few years, um, uh, I thought that the timing was right for a product that I developed that it just wasn't yet. And um, I started to tr- and tried to push something that I believed in, but I didn't understand the market well enough. That's that's professionally. <clears throat> Personally, um, my biggest failure, <clears throat> excuse me, or, or I would say the biggest learning was that I um, I didn't realize or didn't appreciate the importance of individuality and the importance of being 
unique and my own person until a little bit later. And uh, I suppose, you know, that 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 was part of the, the part of the journey, and not so much a failure. But I think depending on how we look at this thing, yeah, I, I look at the life that we're living. Uh, failure again is is just a step along the way. And so I was trying to be someone that I ultimately wasn't. I was trying to be someone that the world would think to be successful, even if I didn't have that feeling internally. And I realized that I had to trust my gut and I had to do the things that made me feel successful in order to actually achieve that happiness. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, there's, there's a conversation too that I think needs to be had about this sense of regret. Somebody asked me what your biggest regret was, which, you know, is, is along the lines of what's your biggest failure. And uh, I'm of, of the mindset that having regrets is is a, is a waste of capacity. And the reason for that is I regret not discovering myself earlier and I regret not pulling the plug on, on that product a little bit earlier and trying something new or at least understanding the market better. But at the same time, that learning curve, that development, uh, ultimately allowed me to be who I am today and where I am today. Yeah. And so regretting that and wishing it didn't happen would mean that I'm not going to be where I'm at today. And I'm pretty happy with that. And the truth is, is if I wasn't happy with that, this would be the part that I would regret. And I'm going to ultimately make a change to make tomorrow a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, there are several things. I mean, you know, we always wish we were here. We're, we're, I, mean, I think Thomas Jefferson once said, do, do you want to know who you are? Don't ask. Act. Action will delineate and define you. So essentially it's, right. yeah. It's, you know, if you're trying to figure out who you are in, on that journey and you think you can control that, right. <laughs> you'd be so surprised because if you don't act, you're not going to know whether the market will react. You're not going to, you can't keep That's waiting right. for the perfect moment or all that. You need to act to figure out, oh, maybe I actually wasn't even good for this. Why did I think I wanted to do that all, all along? And then I move forward and, to the next Yeah, step. And failure is inevitable along the way, right? So yeah. We can't be afraid of it. <laughs> you can't, no, for sure you can't be. Um so other things with you, though, you're pretty interesting. You're assigned to a speakers bureau. <laughs> um, you, you know, you've got multiple companies, and I just I'm curious for you. When it's all said and done, what do you what are you trying to envision yourself to be? Do you, what's your career? Yeah, um, I think it's the ability to bring. I, I like the corporate space a lot, <clears throat> so I'm. Uh, I would say B to B is is the focus. Mm. Um, I think that uh, I've, I've got this ability to be, you know, a mix between like a Seth Godin, Simon Sinek, um, corporate thought leader, uh, you know, similar to a Daniel Pink, I suppose, um, with more of a robust product and service offering through the next company that I'm working on right now. Um, yeah. And and if I can, uh, you know, attack entrepreneurship, speaking and writing and dedicate enough time and resources to all of that. The idea is that they're all converging to be, uh, you know, a thought leader in this corporate space. And, and the writing is really important when you're a speaker. So you've got that takeaway, that book, that leave behind uh, for your, your audience to really understand who you are in a little bit more uh, context. Um, but then to be able to have a consulting offer uh, and, and a service offer uh, following a presentation too, and just really to make sure that there's no opportunities that are missed to be able to make an impact uh, when it comes to workplace satisfaction, job happiness, attraction, retention of talents, and ultimately cultural optimization. Yeah, no, and I, and I love that. Uh, and though, you know, the juxtaposition you put there with Golden and, and the Cynic and, and Pink, it's, um, 
interested because it's the idea of thinking differently. You know, those are thinkers that go outside right. of the status quo. They, they're not afraid to, you know, golden is with the purple cow. Um, you know, uh, Cynic is always telling people to, to focus on people rather than the revenue. It's a talent. It's, you know, that's who we need to manage. Yeah. To manage. And I think, um, they might sound really, really basic at first, but the fact that not many people do it or many people are not brave enough to do it is, uh, it's quite admirable in your part for you to champion, especially within our generation, because a lot of times we see that from the older people, but not from the younger people, because whether people perceive us as people without experience right, <laughs> or, or people perceive us as people that are still green, um, which is the same thing right. you said. <laughs> but, but either way, I just think it's interesting that, that that's, that's a very brave um, um, ask, a brave um, goal of yours, and I, I admire you for continuing to uh, go down that path. Hey man, well I appreciate that, and you know, likewise back to you and the work you're doing with the podcast and everything you're doing with diversity and inclusion and trying to blaze that trail in New York City. I mean, what <laughs> what a, what a place to start, man! Like, obviously, opportunity is bigger than the world itself, but uh, you know, I admire the resiliency uh, and and drive to to make it happen in a city in a city like that. Well, I mean, I appreciate that, but I, I think. I think what I'm recognizing and what I've always recognized, I started, you know, studying leadership since I was 10. For me, it was, it's the idea of knowing, this is, I'm going to, I guess I'm just going to keep mentioning the sign of a cynic. Your why is like, it has to be bigger than anything. And it, it took a while for, for me to actually, you know, understand that initially because I, I was almost scared of what I was saying that I wanted to do. I, I think when I was 10 and when someone asked me what I wanted to do, I said, oh, I wanted to be like, um, I wanted to change the world like Nelson Mandela and Oprah Winfrey. You know, those are the people that I always say raised, mm. raised me. And, and right. as I grew older, I got really scared of that. Like when I was 17, I got, I was like, I'm not, no, no way. Ah. Right. And then I, I actually believed it. And the, the, mm. all the rejection sort of validated that. And, the reason I'm saying all this is I want the listeners to, to listen to, to what Eric is saying and, and be self-aware enough to recognize that if you set a goal that's big enough to, to challenge you and scare you, you're actually down the right path. But you shouldn't yeah. run away from that. You should actually continue to pursue that because it gives you an avenue for you to never be complacent. Um, otherwise, okay. you're just going to, you know, you get somewhere and be like, ah, oh, well, I'm here. What am I going to do? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny too because you know there's uh, on a lot of podcasts, a lot of uh, business magazines and things like that. You know, even New Year's resolutions. It's like you know this year is going to be the biggest and the best, and you're going to take over the world, and you know you're going to be the next Superman. And you know, uh, all of this stuff is is good. It's it's intended to be motivating and inspiring, but at the same time. I don't know if that's necessarily what we should be working towards. Not all of us. I think if we can work to be happy, feel a sense of fulfillment, to be able to dedicate time uh, to the people that we that we love, uh, and to get a little bit better than we were last year, or at least a little bit happier than we were last year, and take the appropriate steps and measures to make that happen, I think that's ultimately what's going to constitute a successful year. And, you know, it's not about going to take over the world and build a multimillion dollar business. Honestly, I mean, statistically, a lot of people hate that. (laughs) You know, the stress and the time commitment, you know, you look at someone who's working in in Goldman Sachs, for example, obviously not entrepreneurial, but, you know, pulling a pretty good check and working 14, 16 hours a day. You know, society tells us that that's really successful. But that, you know, for me, isn't. I mean, there's no doubt that a big 
check will be nice. But I'm not prepared to dedicate my time and life and lifestyle to to that job. The, the check isn't worth it. I'd far rather take a significant amount less, at least while I'm starting to build this organization, and take that entrepreneurial path. Does that mean it's right for everyone? No. And a lot of the people that are listening right now are going to be working, I'm not going to say a standard nine to five, but a more traditional job. And the message there is if it makes you happy, run with it and be proud of it. Know that you're successful um, because there's probably not a lot of happiness to be found in entrepreneurship if that's, if that's a job that you like. And that's yeah. okay. No, it's funny. It's, uh, people, you know, I, I've worked both ends. So um, sometimes when, when you work in, in the, in the um, you know, the consultant firms and all that, you, they want to be entrepreneurs. And sometimes some entrepreneurs want to be in the consultant firms and like it, it you've got to ultimately do what's best for you. So yeah. there's always going to be an element of, I wonder what the other side is doing. Oh, I went to school with that guy. Look what he's doing. Or that girl, look what she's doing. But I think we have to get honest with ourselves and, and just realize like, Hey, you know, that's cool. And I'm so happy for him or her that, you know, they got that position, but what is it that I want to do? How can I get more right. self-aware and just be able to just be completely happy? Because you said the most profound thing here on the talk here was, um, we work for most of our lives. That That's actually yeah. what we do for most of our lives. Yeah. So in reality, if we're not trying to get that happiness in that area, it's going to be an interesting challenge. It's going to be a long ride, right? Yeah, it's going to be yeah, a long say time, ride. They say, they say time flies when you're having fun. And yeah. I don't know about you, but when I'm not, I'm staring at that clock and it is ticking really slow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's it, I, I'm, I'm happy to say that, you know, in the work that I'm doing, I, I don't look at the clock. And if I do, it's probably because I'm running five minutes late because I didn't realize time was flying that fast. Exactly. And if, exactly. if we can find that, in agriculture, forestry, mining, construction, trades, transportation, retail, apparel, uh, marine, automotive, in, in law, in teaching, in education, pick one, then yeah. awesome. We've yeah. done it. That's the goal. <laughs> uh, and and I think that we can all do that if we start to strip the weight that we put on societal pressures to be successful. Because I don't think we're going to find it based on what society tells us is right. Absolutely, you, you gotta you gotta define your your success. So your book, Rethink Work, um, yes, can, sir, can be found uh, where? Tell us, tell us a little uh, bit. Amazon. I mean, I'm, I'm Canadian, right? So uh, <laughs> Amazon.ca uh, for now. Pre-orders for the next just under a month. We're going live on February 20th. I'm really excited about that. Some so, uh, some some conferences, some summits, uh, some really exciting things coming up. Uh, the book has got some great attention uh, up in Canada. The Financial Post called it one of the uh, top five uh, business books uh, for 2016, and it wasn't even launched yet. They got a pre-copy, so I'm really excited about that. And Congrats, man. So uh, thank you, thank you. And so I'm excited to see what we can do with this. It's called Rethink Work, Finding and Keeping the Right Talent. Again, Amazon.ca, and I'm excited to see kind of what some of the, what some of the more global thoughts are on it. All right, well, this podcast is definitely going to be timed um, exactly during your book launch. So, but... Eric's mission is to change the way we think about work. You know, his vision is that by getting his message out there in the world, there will be less of a talent gap, a communications gap, an age gap in the workplace. He values giving a presentation that respectfully challenges the people he addresses and adds to the life they live and the position they work in. That's 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 a balance if I've ever heard of it. So, uh, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I before we, we wrap up, I just want to ask a few questions. I usually ask. Um, uh, some rapid fire questions here, but since you you do do quite a bit of traveling, where's been your favorite place to uh, speak at so far? To speak at, um, 
you know, in terms of just geography, I, I did one in, uh, in, in, in Utrecht in the Netherlands. And that was, that was a really cool experience. Um, was also down in Sydney for a G20 summit. Uh, but I have to say the coolest one just in terms of the caliber of the roster was in Beverly Hills. Um, and you know, John Scully, uh, Pepsi, Apple, uh, he was there, Tom Hanks, um, Kobe Bryant, uh, was speaking right after me, uh, just some incredible thought leaders, uh, in, in, in the corporate space, some political leaders, some economic leaders, and just to be in that room with, uh, with those people over a few days, you know, Gretzky as a Canadian, that was kind of cool. Canadian. Gretzky yeah. came up and shook my hand and asked me for directions. And of course I told him the complete opposite direction. And so I kind of <laughs> felt bad about that, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was cool to be a part of that for sure. Hey, well, you can at least say that you've told Gretzky uh, wrong directions. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you, Gretzky. Who's the great one now? <laughs> um, favorite sport? Uh, yeah, hockey. I mean, Canadian, um, right? Well, I, I, I don't want. Yeah. I didn't want stereotype. Right? Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, so uh, hockey, and then um, if um, I guess if you could say a millennial or a Gen Z that was killing it right now, other than yourself, who would you say? Oh come on! I wouldn't, I wouldn't say myself. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of the work that Brian Evans is doing right now with yeah. Influencer. Okay. I mean, he has taken that thing from literally nothing. It's you know he started it uh, mm. to where it is today. I think it's you know on on Facebook they're north of three hundred thousand likes, a million unique uh, views a month, and rising fast. Contributor network is exploding right now, and uh, you know he. He, with of course help, uh, he built it, and his vision for that thing is is amazing. And uh, you know, there's there's so many others in this millennial space right now that are doing great things. But I just got to give got to give Brian a shout out for the stuff that he's doing. Yeah, Brian Evans. Uh, for those listening, is uh, the founder of uh, Influensive, and Influensive is a this is an up and coming. It's a better elite daily. Uh, so um, I I will say that, and it's, it's got a lot of amazing content that really sort of inspires you to to define what your path is uh and, yes. and i think that's that's interesting like entrepreneurial success motivation productivity i would say is kind of the the key words for that exactly uh last question is the mission statement that i um i you know i founded everything that i do on which is use your difference to make a difference so how do you eric use your difference to make a difference um, yeah, my difference is that it is my perspective. You know, I'd like to say that I'm empathetically curious about this situation to the point that I've started to dedicate a lot of my professional life to it. And that difference is driving, uh, written content. It's driving spoken content. It's driving a consulting, um, business. It's driving organization design thinking. It's driving, bringing people together and I believe that if we can find happiness again in, in the thing that we do more than anything else, uh, then we can live a happier life as awesome. a result. Awesome. Can't wait, man. Um, Eric's book, Rethink Work, will be out in February. And by the time this podcast is here, the book would be out. So definitely make sure you look at the show notes. Um, I'll also be sharing on, on our, my website and all that. But um, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for the book. I'm excited for all the praise that it's gotten so far. And it's a very important conversation to have. So... Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Thank you for the opportunity, man. I appreciate it. Pleasure is mine. And uh, till next week, ladies and gentlemen, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads 
podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.